So as we start this Christmas season, there's lots of angles that we can take with Christmas. But I think there's one thing about Christmas that we can all agree upon. You cannot have Christmas without generosity. You cannot have Christmas without a generous spirit. Now, there's lots of other things about Christmas that we see. We, we see Christmas trees, we see lights, but the biggest thing that, that I see in our society, in our world, when it comes to Christmas, it's all about the presents. It's about buying, receiving, expecting some sort of presents. And some of you have, have already been shopping for those gifts. And some of you are making your list right now as I speak. And that's okay. And I'll tell you some things that I want and you can add that to your list and that'd be awesome. But we cannot think about Christmas without think about, thinking about gifts and how gifts are so prevalent this time of year. Now, some of you, whether you might be a shopper that starts at three in the morning on Black Friday, and you might be a shopper who likes to just uh, sit in your pajamas and, uh, and shop online. And you might be those shoppers like, you know, it's Christmas Eve, where's the, the Dollar Tree? You know what I'm saying? Some of your men are laughing too loud about that. But whatever it is, you know, however, how, however you shop or however you tell people, you know, my mom, uh, I have to send her a list because if not, she'll give me like a, a hammer that can turn into a pencil or she'll give me like a dress shirt that you can re- wear reversible, you know, and that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, real mom? I mean, I can see as a child wearing reversible shirts, but not as a male. Sorry, guys, if you have one of those kind of shirts. But I do know this, that I have to send her a list of, of what I want for Christmas, just to be specific. But it's all about gifts, and it's all about giving, and, and, and this, this spirit of, of generosity, if you can call it that spirit. And so you think of Christmas, and you think of generosity, and it's like, well, of course, Frank, Christmas is generous. But let me ask you something. Are we showcasing the same spirit of generosity that God the Father showcased in the first Christmas? Are we showcasing the same generosity that Joseph expressed or that, or that the three strangers from a far off country expressed? And so over the next few weeks, we're going to look into what true generosity is, what it means to be generous, and why was that important on the first Christmas as we look at a generous Christmas. You know, we think of, we think Christmas began with Mary and Joseph. You know, Christmas didn't really begin with a couple trying to figure out how they got pregnant. It began with a couple that couldn't get pregnant. You know, it it didn't begin, Christmas didn't begin with a couple who were trying to find a place to have this child and there was no room. Christmas began with a couple thinking they're never gonna have a child. You know, this couple that I'm talking about where really Christmas began, you and I are are pretty familiar with, with this couple because we have just finished a series about Abraham. And so when you really look at the generosity and the backstory of Christmas, a lot of times we open up to Matthew or to Luke and look at the Christmas story, but when you look at the backstory 
you can fully understand the generosity of God. It's kind of like in your life. If you were to just look at your last week and see how God was generous with, with how, maybe, how maybe you acted, you know, you may say, you know, I had a pretty good week. And God was generous, of course he's generous, because I, you know, I had a pretty good week. But if you look at your full life and you think, oh wow, I haven't really been all that great of a person throughout my whole life, but yet God is faithful and gracious to me and faithful to forgive me of my sins. Wow, what a generous God. So just like your life, you need to look at the backstory and you can fully understand the generosity of God. And so we're going to do that today to understand the generosity of God. You've got to look back at Abraham. And as we, as we have found out, Abraham and Sarah did have a child. And, and God told Abraham, as we, as, as we uh, studied, look, I want you to leave the familiar. I want you to go somewhere that you don't know. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about, what land. And then when you get there, I, I want you to understand this. And he told him this, look, I'm going to bless the entire world. All of creation, all nations are going to be blessed by you. And Abraham's like, look, God, I'm, I'm up there in the 90s. You know, my wife is really beyond childbearing. It was impossible. It was impossible. But by the power of God, it was possible. God made it possible. And we saw how, how, how uh, Isaac was born, the, the only son of Abraham and, and Sarah. And, and as we look at Isaac's story, we, we see that Isaac had, uh, had two sons, Jacob and Esau. And Esau was actually the oldest, but Jacob was a little bit sneaky. And he stole the birthright from, from Esau, the oldest. And he stole that birthright. And, and I'll tell you, when you look at this story, I mean, you look at Abraham, and what we saw with Abraham and, and Sarah and, and, and this story with, with, with Jacob, and these are like the, the forefathers, you know, of the Jewish nation and then obviously of, of Christianity. And you look at that and you say, man, what dysfunction. You know, if you want to, if you want to look at uh, this story uh, in this part of, of, the, of Scripture in Genesis and understand, man, my family looks pretty good. Okay, and, and you may read it now. If, if some of that resembles some of the uh, in-laws you're about to have over for Christmas, I, I'm, I'm, I apologize for that, you know. But there's a lots of dysfunction within that family, but yet God was faithful and he was generous. And so Jacob had 12 sons. He had 12 sons, and, and one of those sons was Joseph. Well, 10 of the brothers did not like Joseph. In fact, they're like, you know, hey, uh, this, this guy keeps talking about all the dreams he's having and, and uh, how we're supposed to bow down to him and everything. And so we're, we're going we're gonna to get rid of him. So they, they captured Joseph and they put him in a well. And they're trying to decide, okay, do we, do we kill him or do we sell him? Do we kill him or do we sell him? And I hope, we're hoping, Susanna and I are hoping those conversations aren't happening with our six children uh, at our house as well. And so, but do we kill him or do we sell him? And so they decide that they would sell him and he goes on to Egypt. And uh, through Egypt, he, uh, you could tell this, uh, you can read that story. Uh, fantastic story of God's faithfulness. And so eventually, uh, Jacob and uh, all their whole family comes over to Egypt, and so they actually become a nation right there in Egypt for 400 years. But they become a nation 
of slaves. As each Pharaoh passes away, they get further and further away from who these Israelites really are. And so they become a nation of slaves. And, and, and in their mind, they're thinking, look, we're supposed to be a blessing to, to the world. Our forefather, Abraham, and, and these stories would be, be passed down, our forefather, Abraham, told us that we are going to be a blessing to the world, all mankind. Man, I don't feel like a blessing. I don't feel like a blessing at all. We're here in slavery, in captivity. So what, is, what are we supposed to do? They, they just felt weak. And so what God did is after about 400 years, God sent a deliverer, Moses, one of their own. And through Moses, he was able to uh, pull them out of Egypt. And I tell you, after God was finished with, with Pharaoh, and, and the Egyptians, that nation did not feel blessed by the Israelites. With all the plagues and the army drowning in the Red Sea and all that kind of stuff, they did not feel like they were a blessing. They, they, they were blessed by Israel. And so Israel escaped on out. They went to the Red Sea, Red Sea parted. They went into the land of Canaan. And so as they were entering into the into their promised land, um, they had to like, kill a bunch of people. I mean, it was, it, was, it was bad. I mean, it's, it's rated R material as they were able to take over the land and, and as they were obeying, obeying God. And, you know, we don't, we're uncomfortable with that. When I read that, I'm just thinking, God, I, I just, I'm feeling uncomfortable with this. But you know what? Here's the reason why we feel uncomfortable. Because we are looking at it on this side of Christmas. We are looking at those facts and that story on this side of Christmas. Because what it shows is that God's gonna do everything he can and at his disposal to bring about his promise. He's going to uphold his promise because one of his attributes is faithfulness. Now it may take time and God's got plenty of that. And so as the Israelites were, were settling into the land of Canaan and all of those other those other nations and people groups, they didn't feel like they were blessed by the nation of Israel. They didn't feel like they were a blessing, that they were, that they were being blessed by this, by this country like Abram and Ab- uh, Abraham uh, was promised. So the Israelites settled in this country and then uh, a few hundred years later, we, we have leaders. We have David and King David and we have Solomon. And during that time, it was the closest time whenever David and Solomon, uh, David's son Solomon, when the nation of Israel was really at its peak, when they feel like, man, we are a blessing. The country was unified. It was one country. And uh, Solomon had, um, had lots of other leaders from other countries come and learn from Solomon and to see what God was doing in Israel. And for the very first time, Israel felt like, yes, yes, this is who we are. This is who we are supposed to be. We are supposed to be a blessing to the world. And the world is coming to us. And everything was good until 
Solomon, son of David, decided to marry women from the surrounding countries who did not honor God. And through that, not only did he marry, intermarry with, uh, with women from other countries and other nationalities, he started to worship their idols, their gods. And so he was worshiping their gods. And, and so God, the one true God, upheld his promise that he told Solomon earlier. He said, look, just honor me with, with your life and, and I'm gonna give you great wisdom and I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna, and, and just don't, don't intermarry with other women from other countries and don't worship other idols. And he did the exact opposite. And God said, look, if you do, I'm gonna tear down this temple and I'm gonna divide this country. And that is exactly what he did. Divided the country. So you have Israel, the northern country, and you have Judah, the southern country. Judah was, was uh, bigger, you know, in, in, in land mass, but you had Israel in the north, Judah on the south, so the country was divided. So you have a divided economy, you have, a, you, you have divided resources, and, uh, and so what began to happen is we have countries from the north, Assyria, Babylon. We have countries from the north who come in and they invade the nation of Israel and, and cart them off and then ultimately uh, Judah. And so here we, here we have this once unified country and, and God's chosen people. The walls are down, the temple is destroyed, and the best and brightest are carted off to another country. Do you think they felt like they were a blessing? No. And it felt like they were a blessing. So after some time passed, and it's interesting that in the midst of, of uh, the Israelites being invaded, God sent a prophet. And this prophet was, and in my mind, this prophet not that they all don't get it right, but this prophet is amazing. And it's a prophet, Isaiah. And so in the midst of all of that junk that was going on in their life, in the nation of Israel, in the midst of all that, and when they were on the verge of being attacked, God sent Isaiah. And Isaiah had this passage right here in 49.6. It says this, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. Now here's a key part. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And so I can just imagine the Israelites thinking, what? Isaiah, what are you talking about? How can this be from God? We're supposed to be a light to the world. And he even says it, the Gentiles, those non-Jews, that's the entire world. And so they're thinking, we cannot be a light. We can't even run our own country. We're about to be attacked. We're supposed to be a blessing, supposed to be a light. Are you kidding me? There's no way. But yet God was faithful to communicate to the Jews on that. And then uh, he, he sent another, he sent another prophet. And this prophet was Malachi. And he says this in Malachi 1.11. It says, my name 
will be great among the nations. From where the sun rises to where it sets, in every place incense and pure offerings will be brought to me, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. My name will be great. Oh yeah, your name will be great, huh? Well, God, it doesn't look like you're even taking care of us. How can your name be great? I mean, it's a puny, to the eyes of the world, it's a puny religion. You know, when, when, when other countries would come in and they would invade and go into the Holy of Holies, they look in there and they see, and they, they don't see anything. When they invade other holy of holies and temples of other countries, there's like an, an, an idol, a statue. And, and any time the, the other countries would, would, would worship together, they'd bring out this idol and they'd set it in, you know, in the middle of the courtyard or wherever, and, and the country would, would worship. Well, there's nothing to bring out because it's all in the heart. It's all in the heart. There's no idol. God is the one true living God that you can't put in any kind of form. And so the other, the other leaders who would invade, they'd be like, man, what a puny religion. Your name will be great. Yes, my name will be great among the nation. Anywhere that, that there is incense being burn, uh, burned, in other words, anywhere where people are worshiping, they are going to hear about me. And that was in the midst of just junk in their life. Now let me bring this home to you. You know, when you look at your full history of your life, you may have seen and noticed and you can look back as you flip through the scenes of your life. You can see there are times in your life where there's just been a lot of junk. Maybe you've been far away from God uh, maybe you've done some things that, that wouldn't honor God. And, and you think, and, and if you're sitting there, and, and if you're a believer, and let me just talk to those people who are believers just for a second, and if you've accepted Christ as Savior, and, and you have Christ in you, it's like, man, how can God be great in my life with what I've done and the decisions that I've made? You know? whatever those decisions are. And so God, just like God showed the nation of Israel, God wants to tell you, look, my name is gonna be great through your life. If you just honor me with your life. I know that there are things you've done in the past, but there's grace, and, and, and let's move on. And that's what, that's what he was, God was trying to tell the Israelites, look, we're gonna move on from here. We're gonna move on from here because I've got something planned that you don't know about. I've got something planned. When I talk, when I talk to Abraham about how he was gonna be a blessing and I had him look up at the stars to, and I told him, look, it's the seed, capital S, it's about Jesus it's about Jesus. I've got some big plans coming up. And I believe he wants to tell you the same thing. Look, just confess of those things and forget about them. If you've already confessed them, just move on because I've got some great things that I wanna do 
through your life. You're wearing the Jesus jersey. So let people see that. And so that's one thing that we can learn from, from the Israelites as, as they were, felt like they weren't really a, 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 having a purpose in their life. They weren't a blessing to the world. You know, because they had the Assyrians and, the, and the, the Babylonians and then the Persians and then the Greeks. And then finally, in about 69 uh, uh, BC, they had the, uh, the Roman country come in and begin to occupy the Holy Land. So I guess part of the, part of the promise that God to Abraham was true, that he would make him into a great nation. But again, they're not a blessing to the world. They're not a blessing to the world. They feel like they're a mediocre nation. And no one is interested in a God who can't take care of his own people. They feel like they're mediocre. You feel like you're living a, a mediocre Christian life? Maybe you feel like your, your, your Christian life is just There, sometimes you wear the Jesus jersey and sometimes you don't, you know? Well, in the the midst of their mediocrity in their life, when things seem hopeless, when things are hopeless as it could possibly be, God steps in. And Paul even writes this in Galatians chapter four, verse four. He says this, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Now let's look at that first part. But when the set time had fully come, when the set time had fully come, means this, God was waiting for the right moment when everything aligned. Because this, we do know this, when the Romans came in and, and they took over the modern world, the Romans brought all kinds of things. They were very advanced. They brought highways. They brought communication. They, they brought government. They brought structure. They brought education, philosophy, technology. They, had, they brought all of this stuff. And God knew that was coming. It's like, all right. Now that this government is here, I'm going to be able to send my son into the world because through the gospel, the Romans and their system of communication and, and, and how things are connected to the parts of the world, we're going to be able to share the gospel and it's going to spread. And that, exa- that is exactly what happened. And so we see this when things were just the way God wanted them, when no one was expecting it, God sent a messenger from heaven. We see this in Luke. In Luke 1, chapter 1, verse 26. We're reading here in 26 and 27, it says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's Mary's cousin. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Skip down to verse 30. But the angel told her, 
Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So his kingdom will never end. That's exactly what God was sharing with Abraham. Look, you're, you're gonna be a blessing to the world and there's gonna, there's gonna, be, there's gonna be a seed, a, 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 um, an offspring that's gonna come from you that is going to bless the world. But it's interesting, it came at a time in the world, in the Israelites' life, when, when things are just awful. But you know what? You and I, we could pick up on generosity even more when things are bad. Think about it. You're driving down the road, you stop at a stoplight. There's someone there standing with a cardboard sign, and, and it says, we'll work for food or you know, lost my house, lost my job. And so you're sitting there with an extra Chick-fil-A sandwich. You roll it down, roll your money down, you give it to them. Or you have a five or a 10 or, or whatever in your, in your pocket and you, and you give it to them. And, and it seems like that is like real generosity. Why? Because of where the person is in their life. Things aren't going well. And so it makes that your gift, your generosity, even more. Because if, if I were to just walk up and just give you $10 or $20, I don't have it by the way, or $50, if I were to just walk up and give this to you, I mean, that would be kind of generous, but I would be like, I don't, you may not need that, you know? You're probably driving home today in a car. You're probably going to a house, most likely. And you most likely probably have food on the table. Okay? But for someone who's standing out in the cold, and you feel generous. You're like, man, it makes it that much more powerful. That's where God steps in. And the bleakest time in humanity, when all hope is lost, all hope is lost. The Israelite nation were standing at the corner of the world with the cardboard sign says, we are not a blessing to this world. Where's our promise? Because they passed that, that story down for generation to generation. It was in scripture. It was in the Old Testament as, as it collected, you know, this book of Genesis and, and so on and so forth. They knew all of this. Well, that's when God steps in, in the midst of all this, and he kept his promise. He kept his promise. And then ultimately today, he kept his promise through Jesus, and Jesus died on the cross, and he, and he paid for our sins, and he rules and reigns on his throne forever and ever, and, and it's all about the church, it's all about those believers as Jesus gave his life for us, rose again from the, from the grave, we have new life in him. 
And, and, and it's not only just the Jews, but it, it, the Gentiles. And so if you are a Christian in this room, most of you, not all of you, but I would say most of you who are believers, you're probably a Gentile, okay? We have a, we have a few Jews in our area, even, even, even some in our church, who is, who is a Christian and is a Jew, but if you are a Christian, most likely you are a Gentile. And so we have this, we have this, this, uh, it's combination of the Jews and, and the Gentiles, and that's why the Old Testament is part of our Bible. That's why, that's why this book didn't, it's not just the New Testament, it's, it's the Old Testament as well. Because we know this, hidden in the Old Testament, and you don't really have to look too hard to find it, but in the Old Testament, it, it, it's the cocoon that births the story of Jesus, as, as God gives hints here and there about what is coming down the road. And so to best understand God's generosity, we have to understand the backstory and to see, wow, things are really messed up. Things were really bad. And so then you can fully understand how generous is God. Because God probably looked from his throne and said, ah, there they go again. Marry, intermarrying between other nations and, and, and worshiping idols and, and sacrificing their babies to other idols. I mean, it, just, it was awful. And so God was faithful to complete his promise. That's who he is. And that's how we can understand his generosity. How can we be generous like God? Well, we can be generous like God towards others, knowing, maybe even knowing their life, what they've been through, maybe things they've done, maybe even things they've done to you. Because let me tell you something. We as a human race, we've done lots of things against God. But yet, he was faithful. He was generous. How can we be generous? Does it matter what people have done to you? That family member who has hurt you and you haven't talked in a few years. Maybe you need to be generous to them. And I don't mean money. I mean, gosh, in that situation, just a phone call is worth $1,000. And so as, as you look on your life, who can you be generous to just like God was generous to us? Who can you be generous to just like God was generous to us? You know, it's amazing when you think about the generosity of God. It, it, it's, really, it's really fascinating when you look at, at, at how God was so generous. Let's take, for example, just simple things. In nature, you know, he created all things. With his mouth, he spoke to him. So when he created flowers, he could have just said, all right, the whole world, daisies, boom. And everywhere we look, there's daisies. Daisies everywhere. That's the only flower. And those would have been nice. Those would have been pretty. But God says, you know what? I'm gonna be generous. I'm going to... I'm not just going to create a flower. I'm going to create all kinds of flowers. Let's take, for, ex for example, the, uh, the orchid. And so you have, you have orchids, and you have, it, it, the orchid is just one of 270,000 species 
of flowers. 270,000 species of flowers, if you take all the flowers. And did you know that there are 25,000 varieties of orchids, flowers? 25,000 varieties of just that type of flower. God's like, you know what? I'm going to be generous. I'm going to be generous. Uh, you, look at, you look at the stars. He was generous with our galaxy. In our galaxy, there are 100 million, uh, yeah, 100 million stars like our sun. Our galaxy is one of 100 million galaxies. And the Bible says he created the stars. God is generous. That is God being generous. I'm not going to just create stars that they can see. I'm going to create stars that they can't even see until they build some telescopes. And we, we've, got, we've got galaxies we can't even see even with our, our technology. Why? Because God is generous. Do you know that God wants to be generous? And he has been. But God wants to be generous in your life as well. There are things, there are things that you can see, just like the stars, that God is generous. But there are even things, just like the other galaxies, there are things in your life that you can't see that God has already showered generosity on your life. It could be some, some friends that you're going to need that you don't even know exist yet. It could be that job that you're going that you're, you're gonna to need, but you don't need, know that you need that yet. It's going to be that family. If you're single here today, it could be that family or that special person God's put in your life. You don't even know who they are. So God is a generous God. What, mark my word. Whatever you see that is in your life that is from God, just like the stars, there's more beyond that. There's more beyond that. He is a generous God. Let's, let's take food, for example. I mean, God could have said, you know what? We're, we're just gonna have this type of food, okay? And, 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 and everything we eat is gonna taste like this. Well, God's like, no, that's kind of boring. I'm going to make it taste really good and have all kinds of varieties and, and it's pretty funny. I mean, God could take something even gross and make it good. Like, for instance, you're looking at a, at a pig wallowing down in the mud and in and, and their own stuff. And you look at, you know, you don't look at a pig who's wallowing around and look at their behind and say, man, if you could just take that behind and put it in a skillet, oh, yeah. You don't think like that, but God does. Because inside that pig, if you put it in the skillet, it, it's really, really good. And it makes life better. It cures depression. I mean, it's all that stuff. Bacon makes everything better. Especially wrapped around a Krispy Kreme donut. Yeah. I've never had that. But, you know, you take, you take all of these, you take all of the different types of food and, and what they taste like and, and our taste buds. And God's like, you know, I want to give them something that they'll really, really enjoy. And I believe that when we get to heaven, there's going to be, there's going to be food that, and, and taste buds that we don't even know that exist, that don't exist on this earth, but exist in heaven. Colors, all the different colors 
And the world, God, has said, God could have said, you know, black and white, it's good. They can see, we're good. And, and apologize for those who may be colorblind. One day, go to heaven, you'll be able to see great colors. But know this, but God, God wanted you to experience his generosity. He went above and beyond to be generous to you. But let me tell you something, and this is where we're gonna bring this home. The best way for you and I to be generous, the best way we can be generous is through our actions. Because know this, you may be sitting here today and you may be someone who's really generous. I will really feel for this person. I really wanna uh, give this person my time my, my talent, my, my abilities, or I want to help them with, in this area, or maybe even give them some extra money, or give them a job, or, or give them a car, or whatever. And, and if you don't act on that, then generosity is, is dead. It doesn't exist without action. Because know this, God looked down and he saw humanity living in sin, and he loved us. And he saw the problem, and he created the solution, and he acted upon it. He provided godly leadership. That's what leaders do. Leaders, they see a problem, they find a solution, they act upon it. So here's what I I'm encourage you to do. Encourage all of us to do. I want you to be a leader in your generosity. I want you to lead from your heart of generosity. Do something about it. This hope for Christmas that we're doing next Saturday. Some of you went to, went to the tree and got, a, a, got a, a kid's name or a kid's information. You don't have their name, but you have what they need and, and their sizes and what they want. And, and you went out and you bought a present and you brought it here. And, or, or maybe you're going to come and help with the hope for Christmas next Saturday. And you're doing something about it. That is great. And we're doing something about that as a church. But don't stop there. And don't let it be just Christmas. Lead with a heart of generosity. See the problem and do something about it. That's what God did. He provided leadership. You can do the same. You can show love mixed with Sacrifice, that's what generosity and leadership is because love cannot be shown without a cost. You may be thinking, you know, Frank, Christmas comes every year and, and maybe there are some people here today, you're like, you know, every time Christmas comes around, I just, I get depressed. I don't really have the money to, to get things for people or, or maybe you had a loved one who, passed away around Christmas and it just brings back bad memories or, or whatever. Um, and you may be thinking, you know, why, why do we need Christmas? Why do we need this every year? And maybe you could be someone here today thinking, you know, I really haven't got my tree up and I'm just not really sure if I really need that. Can I tell you someone who needs Christmas, who needed Christmas? God. God needed Christmas. And if God needs Christmas, you need Christmas. Let me tell you why God need, needed Christmas. God needed Christmas 
to show his generosity of giving the world his son, Jesus. He needed generosity. He needed Christmas to show the generosity to the world. What did he give? You see it in John 3.16. You see it in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What's the key word in that? It's not life. What's the key word? Gave. He gave. God gave. That was his gift. Even through the junk of all mankind, when mankind, when we did not deserve it, God showed his generosity. God was generous. So be generous to people who may not even deserve it. Because you know what? You don't deserve the presents you're gonna get this Christmas. I don't deserve the presents I'm gonna get this Christmas. But, but give out of a heart of generosity. And when someone, even when someone has done something to you, give, whatever it takes. Give your time, give your attention, give your, give your focus, give your heart, whatever it takes. So how can we have a generous Christmas? Be generous like God. Be generous like God. Because I know this, God has been generous to you. God has been generous to you. But my closing question is this. Have you received his generosity? Have you received his generosity? Have you received his free gift of salvation? It's a gift. You don't earn gifts. It's a free gift. But have you received it? I believe that the more we're able to receive gifts, the better we're able to give them. When we receive gifts with grace, whether it be an actual gift or present or maybe a compliment, when we receive those, when we receive those, we're able to better give those away. So my encouragement is to you, check your heart and ask yourself, have I received God's generosity? Have I received, even with my life of sin, have I received it? Don't think you haven't deserved it because you haven't. <laughs> Don't think that that's a reason why you haven't received it. God is saying, look, it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, your life before. I want to have a new life. I want to give you a new life. Here's your free gift of salvation through my son Jesus that I gave to you. So at this time, I just want to have every head bowed, every eye closed as we close out this time together. This, this season, it's so easy to be distracted by things in our society, in our culture. But I want you right now, I want you to ask God this question. Everybody in this room, 
Ask God this question, just silently there. Say, God, have I received all that you have for me? Have I received all that you have for me? And I'm not talking about just salvation. Some of you are sitting next to a spouse. God, have I really, truly received this person in my life? Some of you are sitting there with next to children. Have I really, truly received them in a way of treasuring them in my life? For those of you who have a job, Lord, have I received your generosity of my job? Am I thankful for that? Have I received it? Because if we don't go to work today thanking God for that, have we truly received that gift, that generosity? If you're sitting here today and you're breathing in and breathing out, Lord, have I received my health from you today, that gift of my health today? Do I give you thanks for that? And then now more importantly, if there's anyone here today and you ask a question, Lord, Jesus, have I received you? And if you're sitting here today and, and that answer is no, you can take care of that right here, right now. Especially at Christmas time. What a great gift to give back to God, your heart. That is the best gift you can give. That is how you could be generous to God in return for him being generous to you. So if you have, you have not accepted Christ as Savior, and if you want to do that right now, just, just pray this prayer silently to your heart, whatever. Just, it's real simple to say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the life I've lived. I'm sorry for living for myself. I'm sorry for hurting others. I'm sorry for living a life on my own. I need a savior. I believe in you, Lord Jesus. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died on the cross. And I believe you rose again on the third day. Please forgive me my sin. I confess my sin to you. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Lord Jesus, as my gift to you, I give you my heart. I give you my heart. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer here today, I will be in the lobby or in the back and just know this, I would love to talk to you about that to kind of see what some next steps are. And I hope this message, and, and I cannot wait to share with you next week about where we're going even further as we look deep into the Christmas story of generosity and how Joseph was generous. It's interesting about Joseph. He doesn't have a single word in the Bible. <laughs> but we're gonna look at, at his life and we're gonna look to see how generous Joseph was. You don't want to miss it. Especially men, you need to be here. Just trust me. It's gonna be challenging, but it's gonna be inspiring and I want everyone to be here. Joseph, next week. I, uh, I'm so grateful that you're here today. Uh, we've got uh, lots of things happening this Christmas, but Christmas Eve is coming, 
And so we encourage you to invite people. And all it takes is an invitation to change a life. Some of you here today were invited, and I hope your life has changed, and hope you're better because of it. But just to show you a little bit of invitation, what an invitation can do, watch this video that's coming up right now. 